Today, I'm going to be taking us through how to pray throughout your day. How to pray throughout your day. See, as I said, prayer is not complex. And please don't make it complex. Don't make it complicated. Because it is something that is essential for you and I to do, to practice. And if you're like me, I don't like complex things. I don't like complicated things. So don't make prayer complex or complicated. God has made it easy. I like the Bible. I don't know how many people, how many people like the Bible here. I actually love the Bible. I love it. I, I enjoy it because it presents solution to everything. You can't argue your way out of the Bible because there is answer for everything in it. This morning, I want us to open our Bible to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. We will begin from there. I will read it in a different version from what many of us. It's called the New Century Version. It says, pray in the spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers, asking for everything you need. To do this, you must always be ready and never give up. Always pray for all God's people. That is in that version. I like it in that version. When you look into the way this version presents this passage, that is a very common passage of the scriptures to us, there are about seven truths that I want you to learn from it. Seven truths that you will get from that version. The first truth is that you should pray in the spirit means you should let God lead you in prayers. Praying in the spirit means let God lead you in the prayers. Don't just jump into saying things, but let the spirit of God lead you in what you are saying, in how you are praying. Uh, some of us will Say, I don't feel like prayer. It's because you're not praying for what you feel. Okay? When you feel something, it is God that put it in there. And you should pray it. Okay? So, pray in the spirit means let God lead you in your prayers. That's the first truth in that passage. The second truth is, I take it from at all times. It means simply no inappropriate time to pray. There is no time of your life that is inappropriate for you to pray. There's nowhere that prayer is inappropriate to say. And there is no time that is wrong to pray. So you're not restricted. There is no... Where you go to Arrow Park Hospital or somewhere, you would see no smoking. This area is restricted. For prayer, there is no restricted area. There is no restricted time. There is no restricted access. Pray at all time. Number three point there is you pray all kinds of prayers. 
That means different kind of prayers. It doesn't have to be in a particular way. It doesn't have to be that you, you read a, a prayer paper that is written 200 years ago, and that's the only way you can pray. No, you can pray all kinds of prayer. Paul says pray in all manners of ways. Pray. And if, if you want to really know more the different kinds of prayer that are available, just check the book of Psalms. You will see from the book of Psalms different types of prayer and each for different emotion. Okay? There's prayer of confession. There's prayer of complaining. There's prayer of crying out. There's prayer of comforting himself. There is even one prayer where he's clarifying things to God. I didn't really mean it that way. And there is also a prayer of courage, but there's also prayer of celebrating. So you can pray all kinds of prayer. All kinds of prayer is available unto you. And then the number four thing is everything you need. Everything you need. Asking for everything you need. It's like the part that says there is no wrong time to pray. There is actually no subject that is off limit to pray about. It cannot be too small to pray about. It cannot be too big to pray about. Okay? You can pray to God about anything and everything. You cannot embarrass him what you are asking for, or you cannot be giving him unnecessary challenge for what you are asking for, because he is God. He's up to the task. So ask him for anything and for everything. Number five point there is always be ready. It says you must always be ready. To be ready means to prepare, to have plan. To think through what you are doing. Don't just do it half-assedly. Don't just pray half-assedly. Be prepared. Plan. Think through. And number six, never give up. Don't ever stop praying. Even if it looks like what you are asking God is not coming through. Remember we learned that there are four responses God gives to our prayer. You can say, Yes, he can say no, he can say wait, and we learn the fourth one says, you must be kidding, you must be joking. And the example of that, the best example of where Jesus Christ told somebody that was you must be kidding is when the mothers of James and John went to him and they said, I want one to be on my right, and Jesus said, you don't know what you're saying. You must be joking. That's not for you. Even in those circumstances, never stop praying. Never stop praying. If it looks like God is not answering your prayer, just keep at it. Keep pushing. Keep pushing at it. And then the the seventh point is, it says, always pray for all God's people. Pray for everybody. Pray for everybody. Don't limit it to yourself. Don't pray only for yourself. I, I heard of somebody recently who says, I want to get everything I can 
and I will can everything I get, and I will sit on that can. So it's just him, 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 him. But please, please don't, don't do that. Pray for others. We've heard about it this morning, why it is important to pray for others. And when you do this, you will discover that prayer is simple, but it's not going to just be one minute. It's going to take some time to remember people and mention them before God. So this morning, we're going to look at how we can pray throughout the days by developing two habits. The first one in your book now, you can write it, is keep a running conversation with God. Keep a running conversation with God. How many people talk to themselves? Well, I do, and I'm not mad, I'm sure I'm not. We do talk to ourselves. Sometimes we say it out, but sometimes we say it inwardly. You converse with yourself. You, you say, don't be stupid, don't do that. You're telling yourself off sometimes. You are encouraging yourself sometimes. That's what we do all the time. In fact, science has told us that as long as you are awake, you can't stop thinking unless you are dead. But when you are asleep, you may stop thinking. That's why people say, I can't sleep, my head just keep racing. That's what happens. As long as you are awake, you cannot stop talking to yourself. But what you could do in some, states, in some circumstances when you don't want to keep talking to yourself is switch it around and begin to talk to God. Okay? Hold conversation with God. See, prayer is to your spirit what breathing is to your body. You need to converse with God all the time, constantly. Keep speaking to him. Keep speaking with him. He says pray on every occasion like we have read. Never stop praying. And can I tell us to go to number two in our booklet, in, in that paper? It says schedule prayer time throughout your day. And I'm going to show us seven ways in which we could do that. See, there are some biblical characters that demonstrated to us that you can actually pray throughout your day. A good example that we have in the scripture is Daniel. The Bible says he had set time where he prayed daily. And we can get into that practice because we're people of God, if we recognize that prayer is important. If you read the church history, uh, you will learn that uh, you, must have, you will learn something about liturgy of praying where you pray at specific time. I, I understand that our clock that we use today originates from that practice. Uh, the Roman rulers in the days will build wall and clock in it that goes, I mean, well, bell that goes at intervals. The prime one at 6 a.m., then three hours later, another one, three hours later, another one. So 
That's how the Bible describes the time of Jesus, the times Jesus spent on the cross by saying, at the third hours of the day, at the sixth hours of the day. That, that's the principle that came out of that. But what then resulted out of that is the, 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 the development or, or invention of clock to remind people to pray. We probably may not be able to follow that, but our, as our book will show you during this week, there are seven principles or seven patterns upon which we can build our prayer life on a daily basis. Okay? And it's based on the Lord's Prayer. When you read that passage, the book of Matthew chapter 6, from verse 8 to 9, the disciples of Jesus ask him to teach them to pray, and Jesus says, this is how you should pray. So, following that pattern, this is the pattern of prayer. And I'm going to use some words in the Lord's Prayer to help us develop patterns of praying for ourselves every day. Okay, the first one. is I get up with gratitude. I get up with gratitude. That's thanksgiving. Jesus said, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So then, this is how you should pray. Our father in heaven. Last week or two weeks ago, we learned that God is our father. He's good. And so, because you have a good father, when you wake up first thing in the morning, early in the morning, as soon as you wake up, give thanks to God. Okay? Some of us wake up, the first thing that we do is we complain. Because we're grumpy. Because we're groaning. Or sometimes we're grunting. I don't want to wake up. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but when my daughter was little, when we wake them up for school, it will be, I, I don't want to go to school today. Um, sometimes it's because you're tired. Sometimes it's because the way you have used yourself, you've been exhausted. Sometimes you wake up with pain, with aches. You might have legitimate reason to be grumpy when you wake up in the morning. But can I encourage you to do this? Create the attitude of gratitude. Okay? Create the attitude of gratitude. There are things you could do that will help you to be grateful or to develop this attitude. The first thing is before you go to bed or when you are well, when you are not grumpy, when you are happy, make a list of things that you should be grateful to God for. You can memorize what's on that list. As soon as you wake up in the morning, you remember it that, oh God, I am grateful to you that even though this is winter, my room is warm. Even though X, Y, Z happened, I am alive. 
Make a list. Make a list of what you should be grateful to God for. It is not good for you to complain, to moan at God fasting in the morning. It will destroy your day. You will be grumpy throughout the day. So as soon as you wake up in the morning, jump up with excitement in you and say, praise God, I am grateful to you this morning. Let's get that habit because it's a good habit to develop. The second thing you could do is you can have a playlist on your phone and listen to songs of worship, songs of praise. That would change your opinion of yourself, but more so the opinion of God that you have. That will change you. That will encourage you. That will enable you. It will print springs in your steps so that the day you get to work, everybody say, well, are you happy today? Yes, yes, I am. Oh, someone is happy today. Yes, that person is me. The day will become easy for you to manage. Why should we be grateful to God? Why should we have the attitude of gratitude? If you read the book of First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Even your very life you receive from God. Not everybody that went to bed yesterday will wake up this morning. And that you are able to do that, you should be grateful to God. I thank my Father in heaven for his consistent love and I recall all the ways that he is good to me. That's what you need to put in that line there. Recall all of the ways that he is good to me. So let's move quickly to number two. Maybe around breakfast time, some of us wake up, we go, we go to shower, we get ready, we get breakfast. When you are getting your breakfast... Number two, I bless God's name at breakfast. You should bless God when the breakfast is before you because there are some people who don't have one. There are some people who have breakfast, but they cannot manage it. So you should bless God. You should praise him. What bless means here is to give honor, to give adoration, to give praise to the name of God. Why is God, what's the big deal about God's name? Why is God's name big? Because God's, people, people's name generally refer to their character in the Bible time. You see, for example, Jacob is a supplanter and he lived up to that. Jabez in the Bible was saying, he said to, to people that, God, I want you to enlarge my cause because I am a pain. And he must have been a pain to his parent. He must have been born with, uh, the parent must have got through serious pain and difficult. The Bible didn't tell us more detail. But we know that he, he confessed that he is a pain. His name means pain. The name of God reflects the character of God. See, the name of God, there are 
I can say there are two categories of God's name, but they all belong to God. There are names that God gave and revealed to us as his name. He said it. He said, Elohim, I am that I am. God clearly said that. He says, I am who I say I am. That is the character of God. He's almighty. That's what that means. I can do what I say I will do. That's the character of God that the name of God revealed. We have names that were given to God like Jehovah Jireh. Abraham, when God did something extraordinary to provide for him in circumstances that look never possible, he gave God that name, Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. Jehovah Shalom, God my peace. In our paper, you will see some other names, Abba, Daddy, my loving father, El Dea, your God who knows everything, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you, El Shaddai, the almighty God who has all the power that you need. There are many more. There are many more names of God. And if you search the scripture, you will come across that name. In Psalm 9, verse 10, the Bible says, Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never abandoned those who seek truly your name. The name of God is a strong tower. The Bible says the righteous run into it and they are saved. So, exalt the name of the Lord. Praise his name because you are, basically when you are praising and honoring and adoring God and his name, you are reflecting and accepting his character. Number three, after breakfast you went out your normal business. For some of us, it could be simple. For some of us, it could be something you dread. For some of us, it could be something you enjoy. But when you are at it, number three, I remember what matters most. I remember what matters most. In Matthew 6, Verse 10 says, May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come and may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. See, God's kingdom and God's will are one and the same thing. Because God has plan for his world and he has plan for you too. I will encourage you to align yourself with God's purpose and plan. Always try and make effort to align yourself with God's purpose and God's plan. 
Why should you do this? Because if you do, like God says in Matthew 6.33, he will help you. He will look after your work. He will look after your world. He will change your situation. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is doing the will of God, not your own will. Then God says, I will add everything else. There's nothing left out. When the word everything is used, it means there is nothing that is left out of it. It will add unto you. Number four, at lunchtime, you've had, on number three, particularly if you're having a difficult day, take time aside. See that, am I doing the will of God? Am I allowing the will of God? Am I allowing the kingdom of God to be established upon my situation? Call his kingdom to be established. Let his plan and his purpose be established upon you. Because then Matthew 6.33 will come true for you. Amen. Number four. At lunchtime. I list my needs at lunchtime. That is petition. Okay? That's the first time the word petition is coming up in the Lord's Prayer. See, Matthew chapter 6 verse 11 says, Give us today our daily bread. I want to emphasize some things in that passage. First, daily bread represents everything you need. Everything, money, your resources, if you're looking for a job, if you're looking for a house, if you're looking for wife, for husband, for children, for anything, anything you're looking for, our daily bread represents. It doesn't just mean the physical bread that you have. It means everything that will make you fulfill, everything that will make life good for you. That's what you're asking God to give you. And note that the phrase says, our daily bread. It's not asking you to ask for every things you need tomorrow or the day after. Why? Because you would stop learning to trust God. If God gives you everything once, at once. If The reason why I have people friends, colleagues that I've talked to about Christ who have told me that you need Christ, I don't need Christ because everything is sorted out for me. My bank balance, my pension, my house, my children, and people think that's all they need. Good example is the children of Israel. God gave them manna every day. It gets rotten if they store it, if they keep it. And I wish God does that these days so that some of us will learn to trust him more. I wish your bank balance will vanish today and then come back if you trust God tomorrow. Then you probably will learn how to trust him more. But God is not like me, so I don't think he would do that. Don't be afraid. However, the message here is it's very important for you, for me, to learn to trust God. And to trust him on daily basis. Because he is the author and the perfecter of 
your life, your faith. Two important things to do when you are asking God for your daily bread. The first thing is, I ask for anything I need. I've mentioned anything. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do for it. Do, do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Always, this is a very important point I want you to note. Always ask God to give you what you need first before you go out and start looking for what you want to buy. Don't shop until you have asked God. Because you may buy what you don't need. You may end up owing what will be a problem for you. So it's important for you to ask God because he says, I will give you anything you need. The second point is that you ask for what other people need too. Don't restrict anything and everything to yourself. I've mentioned that earlier. Then number five, about mid-afternoon, I ask for forgiveness in the afternoon. I ask for forgiveness in the afternoon. That is confession. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 12, the Bible says, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I want to dwell a little bit on this because it's very, very important. We must have all heard of the phrase, confession is good for the soul. And it is very true. Confession is true. I mean, is, 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 the, is good for the soul. It's very true. Sin in our life is like garbage and rubbish in your house. Okay? If you keep piling rubbish in the bin, after a while your kitchen begins to stink. Is that true? If you still leave it, your living room will take over. If you leave it, by the time somebody walks through the door, they will be pushed back. It will be that strong. That is how sin makes our life to be. If we keep piling sin and piling sin in our heart, in our life, we become stinking. And it will be evident. People around us will see it. They will be pushed back. Just like a stench in a stinking house will push you back. A clean soul means more resilience to life. You become much, much stronger if your soul is clean. I admit my sins and I forgive others who frustrated me. That is that line under number five. 
I admit my sins and I forgive others who frustrated me. Psalm 32 verse 5 says, I confess my sin to you and I didn't try to hide them. Then you forgave me and now all my guilt is gone. The book of 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 and 9 says, if you confess your sin, God is faithful. God is true. He will not only forgive you your sin. What does he say he will do? He will cleanse you. So the garbage will be taken out. The rubbish will be empty. And your life will become brand new and clean. That is what the promise of Jesus Christ says to us. It says God's, the, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's own son, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there isn't anything that the blood of Jesus doesn't take away from you. All God wants you to do is to confess your sin. I will encourage you, I will actually challenge you to get to the habit of confessing your sin. You don't need to confess to someone else, although sometimes you might need to do that. You don't always have to do it, but you must always confess your sin to God. You must tell him how you have missed it, where you have missed it, what you have done to miss it. And if you are not sure, ask the Holy Spirit to open your mind to put a searchlight into your heart so that every evil intention of your heart will be revealed unto you. The book of Psalms says that, search me and try me and see if there is any evil way in me. That is what you should do constantly so that your heart will be clean. And also, the Bible says, as we forgive those who sin against us. I, I, I just like the Bible. I've said it before. I love, I love the Bible. It says, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember that somebody has something against you, I like it. It didn't say take your gift away. It says leave it at the altar, but go back and reconcile. Let us learn to forgive people. Whatever offense anyone has against you, learn to forgive because God in Christ has forgiven you. Your sins have been washed away. You cannot clean yourself. Christ has taken that over and made you whole. So, Forgive others who frustrated you. Please, when you have confessed your sin and you have received forgiveness, please remember to avoid guilt and shame. Don't carry guilt and shame around because you have been forgiven. If you keep carrying guilt and shame around, it means you refuse to accept the forgiveness of God. It means you are making the, the work of Christ on the cross to be of no use. Stop doing that. Stop carrying shame. Stop carrying guilt because you have been forgiven. Praise the Lord all the time that you are a forgiven soul. The Bible says we are justified through Christ who loves you. The other 
thing is that you should stop carrying resentment and bitterness because you refuse to forgive others. If you don't forgive people their sin, you will carry resentment, you will carry bitterness. Somebody did something to me, not, not to me in particular, but as a Christian in a Christian community, did something bad, I hated it, we challenged him, it, it turned on me, and, and, and I then developed what I can call hatred, bitterness, resentment against him. But the Holy Spirit, after a while, when I remember him, I feel bad about him, I feel angry, even though he's not there. When, I, when somebody mentioned his name, my blood boils, and that, that went on for a, for a while. And one day, the Holy Spirit told me when I was getting angry about him, he wasn't there. And the Spirit of God said, this man that you are so angry, you can't sleep, you are, you're making your life a hell about, he's pro- pro- probably enjoying himself somewhere, he didn't even know how you are feeling. Why are you killing yourself over somebody who is enjoying his own life around? I repented that day. And since that day, I don't carry resentment. I don't carry guilt. In fact, I have a policy in my heart that I pray God for to help me keep every day is that people can hurt me. People can damage me. But I will not let people create hatred and resentment in me. I don't hate people. I don't resent people. In fact, there are people who cannot hurt or damage me no matter what they did because I've made my mind up. There are people who cannot offend me because I've made up my mind about them. No matter what they did, I will not be offended. Don't carry resentment. Don't carry bitterness. If you do, you'll be drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. It won't happen. Number six, when you've come back home in the evening, I ask God to help me make wise decisions. I ask God to help me make wise decisions. That is protection. You need to come home after you've been around the day, accepting and asking God to protect you. Because you have encountered all sorts of spirit and evil and power out there. As you come home, ask God to help you, to protect you. There are also some powerful demons in our homes that sometimes we don't know. The television is a very good one. Through it, the devil feeds many things that can destroy. Ask for God's protection. Ask him to protect you from making bad decisions as well as helping you to make good decisions. Matthew 6.13, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. There are two things that are certain about temptation. 
One, temptation itself is not sin. It is yielding that is sin. Okay? Temptation is not sin, but yielding to it is sin. Martin Luther says you cannot prevent birds flying over your head, but you should be able to prevent them nesting on it. Okay. The second thing about temptation is that it's not unique to you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation that has happened to anyone is unique. It's common to all mankind. So everyone gets tempted. So don't feel, why am I being tempted? Woe betide me because I'm being tempted. No, everybody gets tempted. However, God says, first, I will not allow you to be tempted beyond what your capacity is made for. So that is something we should praise God for. The second thing he says is, certainly we should praise him for this. I will provide a way of escape. So if you yield to temptation, don't say, there's nothing I can do. There is something you can do. God will always provide us ways of temptation. Let be conscious of what we allow into our minds because that's where temptation tends to come from. What you've seen, what you have watched, what you have looked at, what you have thought about, those are the things that will bring temptation to you. And be careful. Don't be unnecessarily open-minded. We're living in a secular world. We're living where everything is so liberalized these days, but the purpose and the principles of God remains the same. The standard of God does not change. And I will encourage you to, as much as it is possible with you, keep to the principles and standard of God. Don't be unnecessarily and too open-minded that everything and everything pops into your head and you accept it. Because you are setting yourself up for temptations that you may struggle to overcome. The last point, usually at bedtime, when praying this at bedtime, is I end my day with an encouraging truth. That's like saying, the benediction. I have a friend, whenever he wants to sleep, he would say, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm going to close. And I think it's good. We should get into the habit of knowing when to close, when to stop every other activities. But by the time you're doing that, as is written in Matthew 6.13, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That should be the principle of your prayer when you're about to, to close. Why? There are, great three, there are three great exciting truths that would should gladden your heart from that passage. The first one is God is always in control. It says yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. God is always in control. 
it is not our politician who is in control. So if you're really, really worked up and stressed about Brexit, go to bed and sleep because God is in control. I don't think the politician knows what they're doing and I don't think they're in control, but God knows what he's doing. God is in control. If it's your boss at work that is making life difficult for you, tell yourself, you are not in control of my life. God is in control of my life. And maybe your finances and bank managers and people are making life difficult for you. Tell them they are not in control of your life. God is in control of your life. Remember that truth. That's the first truth. The second truth from that passage is whatever is happening to you is not the end of the story. Because God is in control. That's not the final page. That's not the end. God is in control. Whatever is happening to you, go and sleep with the hope and assurance. Because that's not the end. God is in control. And the, the third point there is God and his family win in the end. When you read the book of Genesis to the end of Revelation, you will see that God wins. Victory belongs to God. And as a child of God in the family of God, you are a winner. Okay? So every night, instead of going to bed filled with, uh, with mind filled with all kinds of rubbish, all kinds of anxiety, trouble, worries, maybe because of what you have watched on the television, maybe because of news that you have had, end your days with this truth. Say to God, God, my daddy, good night. I'm closing up now. I know that you are good. And reassuringly, I'm convinced that you are in control. All my experiences today, they're not the end of my story. Because you and me, as a member of your family, we win in the end. And then go to sleep in peace. But remember to wake up the following morning with excitement and attitude of gratitude. As we conclude this morning, I want us to stand. Try to practice what I have been saying every day. Be in conversation with your Heavenly Father at all times. Every day. What I've been saying, you don't have to look for five hours, six hours in the day. Constantly. Constantly. Time must not and should not be a problem for you to practice this. If you don't have time to pray, then you are too busy. You need to reorganize your diary. The book of Proverbs chapter 10 verse 27 says, Reference for God adds hours to each day. 
you get into the habit of following the pattern of the Lord's prayer throughout your day, all he will do is add power and peace to you and the presence of God, making God to be closer to you than you ever could imagine. So I want us to pray this time. lady called Corey Ten Boom said this if you look at the world you will be distressed if you look at yourself you will be depressed but if you look to Jesus Christ you will be addressed and this morning I want you to look unto Jesus Christ Bible says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Look unto him. Ask for his help. Ask for his strength. Ask for his enablement because you want to make a success of your Christian life and your Christian living. Heavenly Father, we thank you because everything we need for life and for godliness has been provided for us by knowing you. What the world struggle with, you have made available unto us free. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ for myself and for my brothers and sisters who are standing before you this morning. That we will realize who you are for us and what you have done in our lives. Help us to take the necessary step to converse with you on a daily basis. And as we do, reveal yourself unto us more and more so that our faith in you will be strengthened. I pray in particular that you will help us to not carry guilt and shame but instead recognize and know with assurance that we are forgiven we are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ and help us oh God if anyone has anything against us or we offend any us never to carry bitterness and resentment for this would stop our relationship with you as we go into this week I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you will help each one of us to live in allegiance unto you until you return back to her help us to seek your kingdom in everything we do. Help us to align ourselves with your plans and your purpose so that every day we will be a people of gratitude and a people of praise. In Jesus' name, amen.